few subjects it will be like open subject tonight and we're going to talk about this time of the year of what um, what we're supposed to experience what exactly we experience basically the day that uh, uh, God created Adam and Eve was what we call in the Jewish calendar Rosh Hashanah uh, so a lot of people don't know that because they think that Rosh Hashanah is kind of in the new year uh, but in fact, it's actually the new creation of Adam and Eve. And what makes us celebrate it? I mean, why we need to celebrate it? And this celebration is going on for 22 days. First, it was Rosh Hashanah, then 10 days after Yom Kippur, and then after that, Sukkot, and then Saturday night, Oshana Rabbah, and then after that, uh, dancing with the Torah. There's a lot of things. This is a lot of work. For 22 days, you feel like that's intense and we need to understand that the idea of what went or what happened in the garden of eden brought all of us humanity into this point because i meet i meet a lot of people that try to figure out the energy of the day what is today what happened to saturn and neptune which is true i mean i do a lot of astrology but we cannot dwell only on that because that's kind of 25 30 percent of the truth we need to get deep into the root of thing and understand um, what is exactly going on in this time so let's talk a little bit I mean I'm sure I mentioned that to you and I'm sorry that I cannot wait for everybody if you watch me on your phone uh, and there is a lot of traffic in Pico today so forgive me so we decided to start anyway we might go to the party that's going on in Pico after that so that's why we have to start finish and then go um, so the idea, the idea of Adam and Eve, what exactly was the scene? What was the scene of Adam and Eve? I mean, after all, God created a beautiful garden. Let's, let's make the story look like fun. There's a, there's a garden, there's some fruit, diamond, four river, kind of good location. <laughs> and uh, there is the snake, serpent. And the serpent come and approach Eve and tell Eve, you know what? What's a big deal, you know, God say, don't eat from this tree. Eh, what's a big deal? Just, just do it. Now, what do we want from Eve? Eve was not even there when God basically commanded Adam not to eat from the tree. She was not even there. So how can we blame Eve for committing a crime that she didn't even know was a crime? And what was her crime to begin with? And... Um, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Ashlag in uh, around 1922, when he was in London, he wrote uh, a whole section about what exactly was the issue there. And he write that Eve was not seen against God. She was seen against her husband. Because she never heard that command coming from God. But her husband told her, listen, God suggests we should not eat from the tree. So when the snake came, what convinced Eve all of a sudden to kind of listen to the snake? What did he say to her? What exactly was the words of the snake? Because after all, Adam and Eve were righteous, they were spiritual. And the snake came up with that idea which was unique. And that's what we have to be careful how the snake approaches us in everyday life. Because the story of Garden of Eden is happening every day. Every day. You're living in the Garden of Eden, you sit by the snake, you're doing a mistake, you're going down and again next day. So it's every day. It's not like it happened in the historical event that we kind of think about it. This is about us. The story is about us. What is the snake told Eve? We need to know. So the snake told Eve, would you believe that God will create something bad? Uh, there's no way, right? I mean, that's very much convincing point. Would you believe there is God? Yeah. Would you, would you believe God created something bad? So Eve kind of no, because if you say yes, then God looked bad. And if you say no, then the command of your husband looked bad. Which one do you take? You take God, right? I mean, it's better. Better deal. Better your husband being mistaken than God being mistaken, which I think is a good deal. So that's how we start. I mean, the stake, that was the test. And he said, the only reason he told you not to eat from the forbidden fruit 
is because you have to eat it in the right way. You have to understand that you have to receive it for the sake of sharing. All what you got to do in this world is to receive the gift that the universe gives you, not because you want it, because you want to give a pleasure to the one who want to give it to you. So now we have a separation between the giver to the gift that the giver is giving. Is that clear? Let me repeat it again. There's a big difference between, let's say you have, you have a birthday, somebody give you a gift. You have the giver and you have the gift. How much energy you have relating to the gift and how much energy you have that you relate to the giver? Who do you respect more at that moment? Because I see, I see a lot of ladies and I'm sorry if I'm hurting you, you on, the, on the highway, you know? So, I see a lot of ladies with the ring. There is a, there is a custom here in, uh, I'm, I'm Israeli, so in, it's in Israel now, but when I left Israel, it wasn't that big 30 years ago. So, there is that ring, uh, engagement ring. There's a big deal, a big deal about the engagement. I, I don't get it and I don't want to get it. And you can try to convince me for a thousand lifetimes, I will not get it. You know, they compare the love of the man to the woman, by the size of the diamond, the engagement ring. I, I'm not buying it. The ring too, not just the concept. You know, so so the the, the, the thing of this engagement ring. So I don't know if you ever seen. I mean, if you ever saw like a man give a, a ring to a woman, and you see the separation between the ring and the man. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There is a ring, and she look at the ring. The man is here. I saw it in Vegas one time. She's gone. He's he's here standing there. And she is standing here with the ring, making love to the ring, and there is a man here. And then she wake up, and she remember the ring actually came from here. So now she has to... And that's called separation between the gift and the giver. So, the snake was teaching Eve, he said, nothing wrong with the, with the, with the forbidden fruit, it's just you have to receive the forbidden fruit as if you're doing a favor to the giver. If you do it that way, then it's okay to eat the fruit. Now, if you look into the whole story, the snake was not wrong. The entire purpose of humanity is to get to that point. That was the entire purpose. It just teach Eve the whole purpose. The problem was the timing. And that's why taking us to the next level. The timing was not right. That's why God commanded Adam, don't touch this forbidden fruit, you're not ready yet. A lot of time, the sin is not doing wrong thing. The sin is doing the right thing at the wrong time. The whole thing was okay. The timing was wrong. Wait. He was supposed to wait six hours until he developed himself spiritually to a level where he actually can receive it for the right reason. And a lot of time, I mean, if you look at life, you know, sharing with my wife, if you look at at life right now, I used to say in the last 10 years, in all my lectures, that fear and insecurity is the mother of all evil. And I'm adding today, based on some study, that impatience become a disaster. Because if you don't have patience, then you're not ready to receive whatever you want to receive. Just wait. Because it's created addiction. It's created like, I need to have it now. And if I need to have it now, then I'm separate what I want from the force I want to give it to me. And Adam and Eve were not ready yet for the forbidden food. That happened, unfortunately, on Rosh Hashanah. So for that reason, we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, not for any other reason. You celebrate it, I mean, when I say celebrate it, I mean, it's not really a celebration, it's a, it's a pray, it's a fight, it's a war, so you can go back to that time and re-choose everything. So what happened to Rosh Hashanah exactly in heaven? What happened in heaven, they decide who's gonna go where. How much money you're going to have? You're going to stay alive, not going to stay alive. Are you going to do well while you're staying alive? Uh, you're going to be healthy, marriage, everything. The whole, the whole file. The opening age, every file of every human being. doesn't have to be Jewish. 7.2 billion people, all files have been open. It's not like us that we need a lot of people to open the files. kind of quick. Some fast technology happened in one second, open every file. And they decide who's going to die, who's going to stay alive, and who's going, going to talk about it later. You know, there's three group of people. So who's going to die and who's going to stay alive? That's on the first day. So the, 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 the most selfish, wicked people been decided on the first day, gone, going to die. The righteous people, gone, going to stay alive. And then left the mediocre people, which is, I think, mostly all of us almost. 
I mean, what is a totally wicked person? I never met a totally wicked person. I don't think there is an existence of totally wicked people. Even people who do bad things, I don't think they're totally bad. They have a thought in their mind they, they need to change. And now what is totally righteous people? So righteous people, definition is people who are capable to look at every moment of their life and say, this is the right thing that needs to happen to me. Not because they live in denial, because they're really understanding it. They're living in denial. I'm not talking about that. It's people who are totally smart and really get it and all this and that. But they truly understand that whatever happened to them, that's the best thing that can ever happen to them. That's called righteous people. So those are the size of the Yamaka or the cross or whatever it is. It's more understanding of spirituality. So Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden to listen to the seduction of the snake, of doing it too soon instead of waiting. For that reason, we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, and then there's 10 days to be Yom Kippur. In Yom Kippur, we have 10 days to rearrange our soul. And when you rearrange your soul, you have to start choosing, like, who are you? Who did you hurt? What people did you, did you insult? Or, or, or which people did you took money from and never returned? What kind of thing that we do? And it's time to improve our life. It's time to become better. And then from that moment on, after Yom Kippur, there is a decision at the end of Yom Kippur that it's a second decision, meaning after Rosh Hashanah, basically being decided what's going to happen, on Yom Kippur, there is basically a signature by the judge that those things will be manifesting itself. But that, so that happened in the first 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. So that's one subject. Then we have what we're doing now, it's called Sukkot, when we sleep outside, eat outside, celebrating the, the holiday of Sukkot. What is exactly Sukkot? Sukkot is basically giving you a chance to get mercy, because till then you were afraid, you were under a lot of judgment, you're under court, you're in heaven, and all this and that, so, so you have the opportunity of changing. But in Sukkot you live in mercy and you stop thinking about mercy time, you know? how to become more kind, how to become nicer. And after you do all of that, on Sukkot come the last day of Sukkot. And then the last day of Sukkot, that's where they're sealing the bottom line. And for that reason, uh, people who have brain in their skull stay awake at that night. You don't go to sleep, because that's the last war for the next year. That's it. Whatever you do at night, that's what's going to happen. Which means, if there is a decree, God forbid, something goes wrong, that night you can change it. Now, why? Um, if you remember the whole story, so Rosh Hashanah, there is a decision. The end of Yom Kippur, there is a, a second decision. In the end of Yom Kippur, we're getting the paper being signed by the judge. And then we have all those days till what we call Oshana Rabbah. Oshana Rabbah is the last day of Sukkot, which is called Oshana, mean uh, help me, Rabbah, a lot. So at that night, you're basically praying, you're happy, you're celebrating, you play some music, you eat, you read some books, you know, we study together. And after midnight, one of the things that I do, I take people under the light of the moon, and I start looking at the shadow. And it sounds mystical, it sounds weird, it looks it look weird. I mean, people come and do that, and we look at the... The, the shadow, and people, you know, without understanding, everything looks weird. What doesn't look weird when you have not a full understanding? But when you have a full understanding, it's kind of, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Basically, your shadow, without, we think shadow is just shadow, nobody, I mean, you, you, you ask any scientist, what is the shadow? It's a reflection of the light, but there is more to it. One night a year, your shadow is different than any other night. Only one night a year, and that, that, that is the night. And every part of the body that appears in the shadow, there is, it's called a shadow inside the shadow. There is a regular shadow that you see every day. And at that night, there is another shadow that don't exist by, forgive my language, demon. Demon basically doesn't have that type of shadow. I cannot emphasize on that because you're not supposed to talk about it at night. But I'm just sharing you information, piece of information. So when a Kabbalist look at the shadow, we can tell exactly which part of the body has been hurt. Physically. Then when we look at again in the shadow, we see the future of the year for the individual, for the person. Then when we look again in the shadow, 
we look at the tikkun that that person needs to do to make that ear a little bit better. For that, that, and, and as much as I'm trying to talk to all the people who are now, I'm Shogun Pico, and as much as I try to talk to everybody, I think that night is important. Everybody should do it. But it's not common for people to go and stand up out of the shadows, study all night, don't go to sleep. It's it falling on Sunday night this year. It should be easy. You know, people come, you know, from, I don't know, 10 p.m., need to stay till 6 a.m. Not so bad. Not so bad. I mean, they go to sleep. What's a big deal, you know? But this is the best insurance you can have. I mean, you are, none of us have been a good, amazing, righteous. I think we all need a little, not slap in the face, but a little direction. And that direction that we're getting at that night change everything. And if we're not getting it, uh, I don't know if you have a better idea, let me know. I mean, the, the book that was written here 2,000 years ago say that's the best idea that, that we can have to change things. So I can't tell you a better idea. So that's what happened on Saturday night. But you have to take it very seriously. It's not like maybe kind of a thing. People ask me, should we bring babies, uh, uh, children? Everybody needs to go. You don't have to bring your cat, dogs, and birds. But human being, all humanity. And one day when I will be able to be a little bit more famous so I can broadcast it so people will know and I will be able to uh, teach it to uh, uh, a lot of people. Maybe somebody tried to get in. I don't know what's going on. You know? So then we will be able to guide people for, uh, for a better life. And that's really what we want to do. And the idea... Hey, Erika, you're welcome. Well, what happened? The door didn't open. I'm sorry about it. So that's really what it's all, it's all about. Sorry for the traffic. I know it was a lot of... Yeah, yeah I, know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. I decided to start early anyway because I knew that... And some people want to go to the party. I cannot hold them, you know. You know. <laughs> I'm joking. So the, the idea... And, and, and that's what the Zohar write. The Zohar was 2,000 years ago. And it say. It's like that. Uh, three books open on Rosh Hashanah, like we, we spoke before. One righteous, one wicked, and one mediocre, mean us. Okay? So, the idea... <coughs> the idea that we need, and let me read it to you. There is a few things we got to do. So, first is to come before midnight to study. Then after midnight to check our shadow. Then in the morning, we have to hit some, uh, uh, it's called willow branches. I don't know if you ever did it. Why willow branches? I don't know if you ever saw a willow branches. The willow is look like lips. Every willow leaves look like lips. And what's the purpose of hitting them on the ground? Well, the ground called in Kabbalah Malchut. Malchut means manifestation. So for Rosh Hashanah, till Oshana Rabbah, between this and that, like I explained before, this is the beginning of something, and Oshana Rabbah is the end of something. So what we're doing, we are ending, we are sealing whatever was supposed to happen from beginning to end, and for that reason, what we need to do is hitting everything in Malchut, everything in the manifestation of it, everything is coming to an end, and we're closing the end for having a better year. Now, we're hitting it on the floor five times with the right meditation, and hopefully we will have enough for all of you. I don't know how many I have. I don't think I have enough, but we try to buy more for you because everybody has to hold five of them and hit them on the floor with the right meditation. It's not just uh, hitting uh, strong and uh, be happy that you hit something. You got to know what you're doing. You have to meditate on a certain letter and doing it. Because otherwise, you're just hitting a tree you know, on the floor. There's no, no meaning to it. You know? So better to have something here, meditate, do it, and when you do it, something starts changing. But why lips? Why, why we choose branch and leaves that look like lips? Because we have to go back in time, back to the snake's story, and we have to find out who is the first one who spoke evil tongue. Who is the first one who spoke against? It was the snake. Okay? So from the snake came and gave birth to all the persecutor that... If you think that when bad things happen to you, it's just random, you have no idea what's going on in heaven. You know? There is basically everything in heaven is cause and effect. It's very simple. Cause and effect. That's how the universe operates. Cause, effect. Cause, effect. Unfortunately, we can't see the cause. We can only see the effect. When somebody gets hurt, somebody is going to tremendous amount of pain, that's an effect. But I don't know why. 
Some people feel they've been punished. Some people feel they, 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 it's good. You know, some people, I mean, I mean, some people look at life with, a, with kind of a pink glasses. Some people look at the life with the gray glasses. None of them is good. Because pink glasses, oh, everything is good, everything is good, everything is good. Denial, you know, change your drugs a little bit. Everything is good. You know, in the 60s, everybody say, oh, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. Right? And, and it doesn't mean it's all good. You know, what do you call it? The flower people? What do you call them? The flower, flower thing? Child. Flower child, yes. Yes, the Jimi Hendrix thing and all, all that, you know. Jess Joplin, gone. But what does that mean? It was fun, but it was selfish fun. Because everything's good. I don't want to see the problem. Yeah, the, the child just fell from the floor. It's got to be for the right reason. Uh, normally he broke his leg. Ah, right, right. Yeah. That's pink glasses. Then you have gray glasses. Everything is bad. Everything is bad. Everything is bad. Or whatever. You can call it the empty glasses or the, uh, the, the half cup full, half cup empty theory. You know, we don't believe in it as a spiritual people. We believe in both. If you have a, a syndrome, you gotta know who you are. Are you Mr. or Mrs. Positive person? Then start to see what's missing. Are you Mr. Negative person? Then start to see what you have. Every person is different, you know? You have to know who you are. If you come in total and find everything is wrong, you gotta start to find the right thing. If you're one of those people who come to the door, like, oh my God, amazing, 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 find what's wrong. <laughs> Something is off. You have to know who you are. You know, there is a book that I told my kids since they were young, to read it, and a lot of people thought it's too early, and I told them, no, you got to read it. It's called Who Moved My Cheese, you know? And the reason I told them to read it, because Who Moved My Cheese is for people who think in too positive in the wrong way, in a denial way. I mean, there's no such a thing as waiting for something to happen. And I was talking today to a gentleman who told me something uh, disturbing almost, but then I realized that I heard that story already a thousand times. So, he's obviously super successful. But the way he invests the money is a very risky way. Very risky way. And this is not the first time I hear people that I coach and I sit with, that they took some risk that I cannot understand it. Like, wow, how do you do such a thing? And all of a sudden, they, it happened. And then I meet people who just cannot take a risk. They just don't have it. And they, still, they become mediocre and below in, in, in money area. I'm not talking about spirituality. And it gave me a spiritual lesson, for myself at least, that if you're not ready to take a risk, it's because you don't believe in yourself. It's very simple. Why you don't take a risk? You just don't believe in yourself. You don't believe that you can do that. So that's why you can't take any risk. This guy is taking a risk. So I'm talking about big money. I'm talking about scary money. Scary big money. Scary. Like a number that I cannot even... Well, and, wow, and this is the first time he's doing it. And a lot of other people that I meet that when I sit with them, I mentor them like spiritually and family and all this and that. And then I need to study about their business. When I talk about their business and I sit with them, and when they start the business, they borrow money in a different way. And they were sure it's going to happen. And I look at them, I said... <laughs> I'm so sorry to ask that weird question. How are you so sure it's going to happen? So I was never sure, but I want it to happen. And that's why I'm sure that, because that I wanted to. That's what I was sure about, that I wanted to happen. I said, but you took a lot of risks there. So uh, yeah, you can't jump one step forward. That's what he told me. If you're not taking any risk. And those of you who have Taurus in your chart, Taurus rising, Taurus sign, Taurus moon, something Taurus, can do that. You know, if you uh, move my cheese was written for Taurus, actually. It's very difficult. Very difficult. You know? Very difficult to jump. But you jump. You know, Taurus need to plan everything. I have Taurus rising. Taurus need to plan everything, you know. 1, 1A, one 2B, JC. Everything organized. Da, 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 da. Study the subject well. My wife is taking me to Amsterdam. I'm, I'm like a nerd. Study the whole street now. Where do you turn? What do you do? She says, stop it already. Be a little bit light. So I need to know what's happening there. I need to know what's happening. Where are we going? Where's the bicycle? Where's the thing? I said, my gosh, you know, you're not going to enjoy like that. You know? Relax, land, and experience. You know, I said, I don't want to waste time. But that's not the way to do it for business. You know what I'm saying? For spirituality, maybe yes. Uh, I don't know. But... If you decided to make, let's say, double the amount of money you want to make from last year, you got to do something different. You got to go crazy. But if you're not sure that you can go crazy, then please don't go crazy. 
Being crazy is only for people who are capable to go crazy. It's not for people who are doubting themselves and then they want to do what the neighbor did and I'm going to go crazy too. You're not going to happen. It's not going to happen for you. But if you're sure of yourself that this is possible, then go for it. So, and then, I'm sorry for the, for, for the French, and uh, it's okay to say that they have balls, you know, uh, not, not uh, women too, not just guys. I mean, I'm talking about like, I'm talking to women and men that make it, and I say, do you know that you could lose your house, you could lose everything? And, and this lady from, from Marina del Rey answered so beautiful. She said, but I didn't. And I had nothing to say. But I didn't, Elio. So you're right, you're right, you didn't. So I, I asked you to help me with my relationship. She gave me the task where she needed help. I said, don't worry about money. I said, this is a lot of risk. I said, yes. That's how, we, how I do it. So to jump, let's say, from a lady, she, she started, she had 350,000, then she grew up to half a million. And she jumped to 3.5 billion. It's a jump. But she told me, you can make that jump. I don't care how much you save and how much you do it until you do that. So why am I mentioning this to you? Because we are, on Saturday night, you can change your destiny. Saturday night, this Saturday night. But you can't change the destiny if you're not willing to make the jump. And if you're not willing to make the jump and you do jump anyway, you're going to fall. Do you understand what I just told you? Don't just jump because I say so, because those rich billionaire or whatever it is, make the jump. You can only, should make the jump if you're ready yourself to make the jump in your mind first. Don't try to do that. You're not trying, you're doing it. If you're trying, I'm telling you, you're gonna fail. You know, it's not gonna work. I remember that uh, uh, I was, I was, when I was in the army, so I decided to change from being a fighter to become a chef. But the, the chef job in the army is the best job because you don't do a lot, you're respectful. And I couldn't get a job. So I ended up washing dishes. From being wanted to be a chef, I'm the dishwasher. I'm talking about the dish is the size of this table. I'm talking about a big one. And yeah, I'm washing, that's all of what I do. And I asked myself, Leo, is that that's your future now? Well, what is that? Well, you better go fight a soldier the same like I did before. How did I end up here? I'm talking about months. And then I, I, I changed something and I went to the top officer and I said, listen, I want a chance. So I don't need another, another chef, you know, we have enough. You know, if you want to wash dishes, that's good. If you want to go back to Lebanon and fight. I said, okay, what do I do? So I decided to do something very crazy. Uh, when everybody left the kitchen, and that's a risk. At 10 p.m., I stay in the kitchen till 6 a.m. And I basically cook everything. Everything from A to Z. A to Z. And the officer came and said, what's going on? I said, that's my chance. You know how. So you know I didn't give you an order. You're not allowed to do it in the army. I didn't give you the order to do it. So I did it. Can you please test it or fire me or throw me to prison or whatever you want. But I said, you're good. And they give me a vacation for two weeks, which should never happen. So you will become my private assistant to the chef. Uh, to go and cook only for the government. So I, I start to grow up, become like a chef to cook for all the VIP. But if I would not make that crazy thing, I'm telling you, I would not be able to be in a crazy place. So the question you have to ask yourself before Saturday night, what is the crazy thing that you're not yet believing yourself you're capable of? And you, you have to ask yourself that question because nobody can help you with that. I'm sorry, but nobody can help you. That you you're gonna do You're going to do some crazy thing. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna do something that doesn't make sense, you know? And if you don't every year signing yourself for something crazy, like really, really crazy, then why would you expect life to change? I'm sorry, like why, you know, who moved my cheese? The cheese not gonna be there and you're gonna cry and be upset. Or maybe if you've been punished, the cheese actually will be there. So you don't even have to change. If the cheese moved, it's actually a good sign because you have to change. But for some people, the cheese is always there, so they don't have to change. You know, I know some people who go to Starbucks and the guy in the Starbucks even know their name, didn't even know what they ordered. It's so boring. There's no risk, no nothing. You know, first time I went to Starbucks was on 86th Street in Lexington. I was living in New York. And I didn't know what Starbucks is, but I want to be in. So I want to be in. I didn't know what I was ordering. So uh, I look at the names. I don't recognize anything. And the people, there's a line, and they all know what they say. Yeah, the, the, the name of the cup is a name. Like, it's not small, it's grande or something like that. 
there's a name, and then there's skim milk with foam, with no foam, with coffee, with decaf. It was a lot of things. I mean, you need to know, New York before that was basically a bagel with a square cream cheese and a coffee to, it, 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 with a brown bag. That's how it looked like, bagel. They cut the cream cheese, put it in, some napkin, that, and coffee that's closed like this. When you drink it, you burn your lips or something. That's, the, that's it. That was it. You come into a place, you look at it, and I'm behind people say, you do, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. So I'm looking, I'm trying to look cool. It was the only name I could recognize. Say, I want macchiato. I didn't know what macchiato is. Macchiato, man. So he didn't ask me for the size of the cup. I was very happy. I didn't know what's coming. It would be that little coffee. So I'm looking, and I'm, you're touching the cup, but it feels empty. And I'm opening, and there is, there is a cup, but it's only the bottom. So why am I having that cup? It was before they invented the small one. So I said, Sarah, I think, and, and where, where you pay is not where you get the coffee. You're going that, so you cannot go back in line. Especially New Yorker will not give it to you, right? So I said, the, I think something went wrong, the coffee. He said, did you order macchiato? I said, yeah, this is macchiato? So I remember I went to that side, I started adding some milk to it to make it some, look like a little bit better. And the idea for us learning from that is, what do you do with your life? I mean, this is it, Saturday night, this is it. What happened, you do Saturday night, this is it, you know? Like, you gotta, you gotta do something, and I, I, if anybody, everybody here online, uh, they don't know how to make the jump, just talk to me, you know? Uh, but if you talk to me, please, you have to be ready for me to kick you a little bit in the back to jump, because I can't, I can't, you come to them and say, oh, what you you got to be ready. I cannot do it for you. But if I push you for the jump, you know, and you're not willing to jump, I can make it. And I remember my kids talked to me last weekend about me teaching them to swim. And I didn't know how bad it was, I, you know. And I, I heard some description from my children, which was disturbing, you know. They tell me that I just put them in the pool with them alone, and I say, I'm sure you can reach to the wall. I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole swimming. And, and one of the, there is two things that the father has to teach the children is um, to make a living and to swim. It's, it's by the law, like by the Jewish law. You have to teach them those two things. If you didn't do it, you commit a crime as a father. So it's kind of a very funny thing. You have to teach them to make a living and to do that. And thank God all of them work and, and, and the life some of one or two of them even opened their own business and sold the business so I'm very happy about the result but going back to the willow branches why lips the snake was the first one to speak negativity the persecutor want to speak negativity about you now what is that negativity they can say about you even the, your choices is not your choices it's a joke I mean when you get angry it's some negative angel who tell you to get angry when you get jealous it's not even you so what are they going to say? I mean, the sin of a human being is to want too little. You want to know your sin? Your sin is not the sin itself. The sin means that you want too little from life. Because think about God. God want to share how much? Endless. You want to receive too little. It's an insult to God. You know, it's an insult. So if you go to my mom's house when she was more healthy, you know, so the table would be from here to the greens there. And it was a lot of food. And they look at you. My mom look at you if you're eating or not. And you have to eat a lot to respect my mom. And if you don't eat a lot, it's a disrespectful way. You know? And if you're not Georgian from Russia, it's called Gorzini. Georgian from Russia, every tradition, when they invite you, you have to eat really a lot. They have about eight dishes. And I didn't know. I came, you know, one of my customers, I'm sitting there. And it just never ends. It starts with a salty fish or something like that. And it climbs into a fried fish. And then it climbs to some dough filled with meat. I don't know the name of it. And then it keeps climbing. And then at the end, the food, almost like a Persian wedding. I don't know if you've ever been in a Persian wedding when the food never ends till 2 a.m. I mean, like enough already. I think I ate my food with the sushi mountain. Uh, <laughs> So some people take it as disrespectful when you don't eat from them. So now God, it's not that he takes it disrespectful, God is not a human being, but if you're not thinking big, if you're not receiving big, that's the sin. So the persecutor will talk against you 
is not that you are doing something wrong, that the wrong thing you're doing, you're not actually wanting enough from life. So what is that you not want enough from life? What is the dream that you gave up on? It's time to resurrect those dreams out of the night. It's time to wake it up. What is the thing that you said, I don't think I can make $1 million. I don't think I can make $1 billion. I don't think I can be famous. I don't think I can lose weight. I don't think I can be more athletic. You know, I, you know, I, I know that I have so many excuses not to get out of the house and go play tennis, basketball, and run and walk. Thousand excuses, you know? But those excuses mean I'm thinking small. Thinking small. So small. You know, how many of you want to speak to someone, but you're afraid if you speak to them, they might judge you, and you're doing all this calculation in your head, and in the end, what do you do? You don't talk to them. That's thinking small. That's thinking small. Every time that I'm afraid of something, and I go and confront it, I find out it wasn't that a big deal. How many of you went through that? So it's a very important thing, because in the end of the day, there is human being out there, good human being. So whatever I've been in China or London or some other place, I don't even know the street there, right? In the end of the day, there's human. And those human will be there for you. And the willow leaves, when we hit it on the floor, is basically the number one weapon that you have is your lips. And the number one weapon that will speak against you in heaven is when you're thinking small. If you're thinking small, you did a big crime. That's the biggest crime you can do. Stop thinking small. Stop thinking like this is it. It doesn't matter. I mean, right now, if you look at the pioneer, you know, all the women that I meet lately in LA are in the age of 50. They started business in the age of 50. How can that be? If you talk about it 25 years ago, it didn't happen. Usually people start 23. Now there's a new wave. New wave. It's like, what is going on? I love it. Age of 50, new start. And all of them start in the age of 50. And they're really, and they kick, and they're good, and they, it's almost like awakening, awakening. You know, everybody who's born around, when is it, 68, 69, that's the year, this is it, that's when they shine. 70, woo, all the wave is coming up. And if you look at 30 years ago, age of 50 usually was the day that you start thinking about the end, you know, it's different now. Age of 50 become, I mean, and I will tell you even about the love life, that's shocking, they start dating differently. I don't want to make you bad girls here, but things happening in our universe, things happening. So when you are talking about those persecutors that happen in Roshan Arba speaking bad about you, you have to start thinking about that whatever they say is that person, that person, that person thinking too small. Why people cheating, for example? Do you know why people cheating in business, cheating in love, cheating in every area? Cheating in every area. Why people cheating? They don't think that they choose well. They don't think they choose well. They look at a wife or a husband. And they think it will be better out there. And then when they, they think, and trust me, that's what I do for a living all day long, meeting people. And when they think, after they leave and they go, and always I get a call, Eliyahu is much worse than where I came from. You know? What happened? Because, I mean, I'm not against people get separated. I think it's healthy if it's not working. But if you get separated, you have to ask yourself why. You have to ask yourself where does it come from. And if it's come from thinking small, eventually you're going to do a mistake. So just the willow, remember what we do. And Sunday morning when we hit it on the floor, you hit the malchut, you hit the manifestation of your being. And you say no more. No more diminishing of desire. No more thinking small. I want to think big. I want to ask for big things. And I'm going to act like I'm looking for big things. And I'm going to move my body like I'm looking for big things. And I'm going to make a change like I'm looking for big things. No more will be thinking a little bit of everything. Just thinking large about everything. Is, is that clear? It's very, very important. So that's what Oshana Rabbah is all about. Because if you look at any sin, let's say stealing, why you steal? Because you don't believe you can earn it. You have to steal. But if you believe in yourself you can earn it, you wouldn't steal. Why do you kill? You're impatient, your problem don't go away. So you don't believe you can actually remove that problem on your own. You don't believe in yourself. Everything that we do is because we don't believe it's possible that it will happen in any other way.
So, it's the idea, the idea is that Rosh Hashanah was the judgment, continue on Yom Kippur, we, we change it, and when we change it, when we change it, whatever happened in Rosh Hashanah Rabbah, we change everything. The day after, we are, it's called the day of the Torah, the dancing of the Torah, is when you receive something called Or Mekif. Try to imagine that you're back to back with your friend, because you don't talk to each other, all right? Then you, after 10 days, that's Yom Kippur, you, you're looking at each other, you miss each other. Then Sukkot, you give a hug. And then Simchat Torah, so we dance with the Torah, which happening Sunday night, that's uh, the time that you make love, they become one again. But the idea is people get tired because it's 22 days process. You get tired, you get tired, there's so much to think, so much to think. But you get tired, why? You get tired because it's, it's tiring, or you get tired because you're thinking too small. Your life is not changing. If you look at five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, same. Well, you met new people. Wow, that's amazing. You have another two friends on Facebook. Ooh. You have two posts on Instagram. Wow, you're amazing. But it's not changing, really. The means don't change it. And the means need to change. And for that reason, I need a program. So the program between Rosh Hashanah, till Simchat those 22 days is a program to change me, invest in me. I don't want to be the same one as I was last year. I want to, I want to think big. So if I make one million, I want to make two, right? For the money. If I'm able to love five people, I want to be able to love 10 people. Everything has to grow. If I don't have motivation to go out there and do sport and have fun with people, I want to, I want to do it this year. But this depends on that uh, days. It's not that it's been designed because God has nothing else to do. So I'm going to sit on the throne of judgment and I'm going to look at you. And I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt. Hunting for who? For the people who think small. Think people who think small. Why are you thinking small? Why? Why? Is something is missing? Something is missing? Or people who tell me that, that's the people who annoy me the most, I don't have time. I don't have time. What is I don't have time? Who came up with that? I don't have time. Give me your schedule. I want to run it for you. Give it to me. I did it to many people. I said, give me your schedule. No, no, no. I said, we're going to cancel this, cancel that, cancel that. You know? And then I ask them, how many hours you need to sleep? What do you need? What fun? And I even give them um, uh, uh, wasting time. When you can waste time? 11.15, day 12, day 2. That's a waste time. That's when you do nothing. You have all the time in the world. All the time in the world. You know? And Debbie and me were talking today. What's the number one sin in the universe? And Debbie inspired me today. She told me, wasting time. Is the number one scene in our universe. I think, I think it's not just correct, it's amazing. Wasting time becomes the number one crime. Number one crime. Number one crime is wasting time. And I had to talk with my son the other day. And I'm talking to him about serious subject, but he's on the phone. So, I felt it's insulting me. And for that reason, I can't tell him anything because if something bothers you, you cannot say to your son, it bothers you because it's not right, because it's selfish. But then I tell him a story. I said to him, you know, in my time, we didn't have phone. Communication was different. In your time, there is phone. Communication is different. And then I ask him, he still didn't listen. Then I ask him, uh, what do you think our life look like, you and me, if there will be no phone? And he looked at me, he said, okay, he put it down and said, okay, let's talk. And it was beautiful because we don't, we don't uh, appreciate one thing that God gave us. I think it's time. How do you use your time? Do you have real fun? Do you have real fun? Are you downing yourself every day? Is what you do giving you fun or not? You know, my wife and my daughter love to go to show. You know, I, I like to go to specific show. If I go to all the show, I mean, they took me to the number one show that exists ever on Broadway. I forgot the name with the, with the White House, not White House, with Washington. Well, Hamilton. I didn't like it. My son still need to convince me that it is a good show. And I'm starting convincing him. I suffer. I suffer. And he said, it's the best. And he went, said, not for me. I didn't like it. I tried to stay awake. I mean, like that. Not for me. I try. Try. Did I like Beatles in Vegas? Yes, love the show. I cry emotionally. Lion King, love it. I saw it five times. The other thing, the Book of Mormon, I think. Number one show ever. 
I was like standing on the chair clapping. Yes! You know, so there's different things for different people, you know. I can't tell you this is good, this is bad. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is time. Do what you love, what you love to do. But don't do what you have to do. You know, if you just have a job that don't make you enough money and you hate your job, that's a terrible situation. I tell people, when the first advice I'm giving, I said, either have a job that gives you enough money that you can have fun after that, or either have a job that you love and you don't care how much money you make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, you, if you have nothing, and I'm sorry, you already, you already have a problem. So if you make, I don't know, $1 million a year and you hate your job, not so bad because you can take vacation one month, you spend the money, you have fun, you go back to suffer until you have enough money not to suffer. I don't believe in this theory, but some people do, so I'm supporting it. But if you have a job that you love, you know, you never work. It's not a job. You wake up in the morning and you're just happy to go to work. So for every one of you, you know, I'm telling you that speech, usually I'm not speaking like that to you on this kind of lecture. But I'm telling you to because we have a few days left until Saturday night. And Saturday night is a decision you have to make. And then Sunday night, another decision you have to make. So those few days that coming from Saturday morning, Saturday, Saturday morning is the first energy you receive to change. Then Saturday night, second energy to change. And then comes uh, Sunday night and Monday night, Monday morning, that's the ceiling. That's, after that, you can't change anything. So get, a, get, get yourself in urgency. Don't, don't sit like that. And everybody that you love in your life has to be here to do that. It's not because we have to be. It's because we have to do it. <laughs> you know, it's not like a must and all this. That. It's a serious thing. And I'm just going to read to you now from Rabbi Isaac Luria what he say about uh, this time. And it say, why are we looking at after midnight at the shadow of a person? It's a kind of a weird thing. I mean, try to imagine that you see a group of people opening their arm like that, and there is this rabbi looking at them in the shadow. Weird. You know, weird. The, 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 two years ago, last year I was in, uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem. So many people know that I'm doing it, so they found me. Even my mom came. Okay? So everybody came. All my, so they all want me to, do, to check their shadow. So I said to my wife, I thought it would be like three of us and just look at the shadow in Jerusalem. Nobody knows, but they found me. Some people drove a little bit too far and I look at them. Wonderful guy. He used to be a teacher with me in Boca. Uh, Moshe. I don't know if you remember Moshe. So came all the way. So I heard you on Jerusalem. I said, okay, check your shadow. I didn't know where to go because it has to be dark, no light, and only the light of the moon. The only place I found, I mean, it was next to a cemetery. And I apologized and said, listen, um, not the right place to do it, but what can I tell you? It's the only place I can do it. And so it was somebody from New York, somebody from there, somebody there. So we did it for everybody. And they were very happy. But it looked weird. After midnight, you have to agree, it looked weird. You're in the middle of Jerusalem, a little cemetery, you check some shadow. It looked weird. So what exactly happening at that night, say Dari? Achotam nigmar. The ceiling on your soul is over after midnight. So Saturday night, whatever going to happen in the next year, after midnight. So when is midnight right now, Debbie? Is it 115? 1.15. 1.15 a.m. This is when the deal is starting to happen. So we're looking at the shadow, say Dari. In every hour from 1.15 till, uh, till around uh, 4.30 or 5. Why not to the light of the candle? Good question, right? Flashlight, okay? Only the moon. Because the moon represents Malchut. The sun represents the Alpine, the moon represents Malchut. The Malchut is the manifestation of everything. It's a reflection of everything. So the sun gives the light, the moon is the reflection. So the reflection on the next year is within the moon. So the moon gives the light, and the light creates a shadow. And at that time, there is judgment. What's going to happen? And the moon, only at that night, will show what's going to happen to each person in that year. And, of course, I don't, I don't want to scare you. I mean, the shadow is an inner shadow. So there is a shadow and an inner shadow that you need to learn to see it. 
And that inner shadow disappeared 30 days before the person died. 30 days before the person died, there's no longer inner shadow. So, without that inner shadow, a person cannot stay alive more than 30 days. Because what happened, people don't know it because it's a spiritual thing. What happened, people know when they're going to die 40 days before. They have dreams, they have different things. And so, when you look at the person, you look for the head, you look for the arm, you look for the finger, you look for every part of the body. Based on that, every part is telling you what's going to happen to that person in that year. If it will be a miracle, healing miracle, I'm talking about only the, the, the health of the body, not about the money. The, you cannot see the money in that shadow. And then we only decree, the decree is only about if a person stay alive and if it will be healthy at that year. It's the only thing you can see. The only thing. It's a little scary. I don't want to read all of it. I'm trying to skip the bad part into only something that's more motivational. It's, it's more, all those pages talk about the demon. Why demon doesn't have the inner shadow? I don't want to share this with you. It uh, can confuse you a little bit. And I want to make sure that you're coming back eventually. Yeah, that's good. I think that's good enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, so that, so that's like a TV. The shadow is like the TV that show what's gonna happen at that time. That, that, that's basically it. So after that, what happened after that? After that, we dance with the Torah. We're receiving something called. Um, um, surrounding light. Surrounding light has been how your surrounding will look like. Meaning, we know that in November, uh, the end of November, around Thanksgiving, we're going to Israel. It's not just a coincidence that I choose this time because whoever is going to receive the energy in Israel from grave again of righteous. You know, you're receiving, it's called Yehudim. And in the Yehudim, you receive spark of that soul into your soul, become one, and then it helps you. So, the Ormekif, the surrounding light, means all your potential. How far your potential will go. Now, you can't think about your potential, you can only think about your actual. You can dream, but even your dream is not part of your potential. Potential is something that you didn't meet yet, that you didn't dream about yet. Now, to raise the level of your potential, to raise the level of your, of your surrounding light, you have to make a certain move. So there is a few things that we do. One thing, we have, of course, dinner. That's food is always the deal. Why, why food? Because the food itself is the manifestation of everything that we do spiritual. So the food is the manifestation of a spiritual action. And the other thing we do, we take the Torah and we dance with it. We dance. You don't have to carry the Torah yourself. You just have to be in a room where the Torah is going around. Okay? And you sing and you're happy. Because you are actually meeting your future as you go around the table, around the chair. You just need to go around. Because there is encircling light and inner light. The inner light you already have. You already have your potential light you receive it that night. So whatever you do that night, your mind, your words, your singing, your food, whatever you do is in charge of the all-encircling light that you can see for the whole year. So you, you can't miss it. This is something more has to do with on the Shanaraba with the shadow, I'm sealing the last year and making sure that I clean everything right and next year look good. And then you're jumping into encircling light so the next year will be bigger, will, will think bigger. And your only way you know that you, it's becoming bigger is around the end of November, exactly at that time, your soul is going to a change. You know, you're going to feel something if you did it right, if you make an effort. So don't be lazy on that. Normally people get lazy around this time. If you did the whole thing for Rosh Hashanah, you get lazy because your vessel, your container, your capacity to receive is falling apart. Really falling apart. Why is it falling apart? Because the scene, I, I want to repeat it because I don't think you heard me or people at home. The real scene is you don't want enough. You say you want, but you don't. You don't want enough. You just want too little. It's a joke. We are just a walking joke of how much we want. 
you know? Desire is a very, it's a huge part of human being growth. And you cannot just say, I want it. What are you ready to do for that? You know? Right? What are you ready to do for that? I always say I want to lose weight. But once my neighbor gets me some, I don't know what it is even. It's a, it's a tort. She called it a tort. Pumpkin tort. Roll like that. And he said she put some vanilla ice cream. Why she had to do that? Why she had to do that? Shame on her. Right? But maybe it's for me to, to look at it and say, no. No. But the cake, if, I came from my house, we don't wasting food, so I'm looking at it. Says, so anybody gonna eat it? And nobody say yes. Nobody say I'm all, the only one. Nobody say yes. Everybody has a different diet. And then I'm saying, okay, it's a shame. Well, what's gonna be? Just a little piece, you know? And then another piece, and never end up well. Never end up well. So my desire to lose weight is not as strong as the tort. Looking at me, it's a joke. So that cake has more personality than me. So, uh, my wife doing that yoga class with weight and I don't know what you call it, very tough to watch even, the torturing sport yoga, I don't know the name, what do you call it, torturing yoga? What is it? Body sculpting yoga, evil yoga, I call it evil yoga, my God, the worst. But, why am I not there? You know, desire. Why am I not there? You know, it's, it's, it's like you have to take time. I remember that this doctor put me on a diet, it's called Candida diet. My God, you ever know what Candida diet is? <laughs> it's the easiest diet and the most disturbing diet for me because you can't have salt and nothing. No salt, no alcohol, no bread. You have a lot of no. And, but it's actually make you lose weight in six weeks the fastest. And I remember I had to do that the one great thing about it, I start thinking about, because I'm addicted to food, those of you who don't know it. And so when you're addicted to food, what happens? When you let go of food, you start becoming different. You start looking at life different. And I believe that there's a lot of people who are addicted to food and don't know that. Obesity is, is a very big problem. And when you start to realize about spirituality, about life, about business, you open up your mind to a whole new level. So find out this one thing that you have to do all the time, that makes you think small. It makes me think small. So when you come to Sibra Torah, when you're going around, every step that you're going around, you don't have to run, just walk. You walk around, you think, you have to start thinking about, okay, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I cannot let this little tort or cake or whatever it is uh, take over. I want more from life. I'm so sorry, but listen, done, done. I want more. I'm not going to be afraid if somebody insults me in business because I want more than, than fear of being insulted. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to want more than the fear of being insulted about somebody who don't talk nice to you. Let them not talk nice to you. What's your goal? What's your goal in the end of the day? Do you want to make one million dollars or you want to be respectful by three people? You know? You have to ask yourself. That's what the encircling light does. It makes you think, when you think big, you don't get insulted. When you think small, you get insulted by any little cockroach is going to insult you. But when you think big, why am I bothered even by that? That's not my goal. You know, everything grows. So that's what we're doing Sunday night and Monday morning. You grow. You think big. And when we think big, life looks so beautiful. Like, life looks gorgeous. And this is, this is actually what I want to share with you tonight. I think it's enough. I think you want to go party on Pico. So, you want to ask something? I'm sorry. No, no, one second, Debbie. Question? No, no. Just what party? So, when we come to, to I guess, Sunday morning, what are we going to do the willow? No, this is, uh, this is uh, it's an uh, all night. All night. All night. All night. Yeah, yeah, try to be all night. You don't have to. Do we have to focus on one area of our life, or can we focus on multiple areas of our life? I mean, that's beautiful. You're thinking big. But for my experience, a lot of time when we're thinking about many areas, we think about nothing. My experience, it doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm right. It's, it's an opinion. It's not good for everybody. It's just my personal experience. So, I mean, to think big, it's, it's, a, it's not just for the fun of it. It's a serious task. We, we think it's a joke, but it's a serious task. When I meet like, people who made it in life big, they are different. I'm sorry to say, but they are different. Somebody who mastered dancing, they are different. Somebody who mastered basketball, they are different. Yesterday, 
I got a gift for my birthday, early birthday gift, and they sent me to watch the game of the Lakers and Golden State, and it was very good seat, so I could see their faces, you know, I like to read faces and palm and astrology, so I could see their expression, and I was looking at LeBron James, I never saw him that close. The guy take basketball very seriously. It's not about him being a good player or not a good player. He take it very seriously. This is it. This is it for him. He's like so serious about what he does. So, it's one thing he does. You know? And he takes it very seriously. So, I don't know what's your purpose in life. I don't know. But I know one thing. I, I, I hope it doesn't sound like an insult. I don't think you still scratch the beginning of your potential. And that, it's sad for all of us. You know, I mean, those of you who know me, I did a lot of things in my life. And if you ask my wife, she will tell you. Everybody guys wake up and I say, when am I gonna start? It's not because I'm special. It's, it's really, I'm thinking like that. I didn't start you. I don't know what to do with my life. I didn't start anything. It's when you see how far, how big it is, the cup is always empty. It's not in a negative way. And my wife found a proof to it. There is a book it's called Tao. I don't know, you know Tao? You know a little bit about it? Yeah, it's a wisdom from Chinese and there's some Japanese. But I like it. I like to read every book existing in the market. And uh, so I have this book for 20 years. And I found it lately. And it's a wisdom. And the Tao said, you know, about wise people and successful people always see what's missing, not in a negative way, so they can complete it. And so I was happy because a lot of time people think I'm negative when I present what's wrong. You know? All right, guys, it's time to go to party.